What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe O'Rico. You can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's where we post all of our new content, whether it be podcasts, articles, news and notes, every bit of baseball content. That is where you can find it over on Twitter, EthosFantasyBB. If you're not somebody who uses Twitter, SportsEthos.com is the place for you guys to be checking out. Today we're going to do a bit of a shorter show and we're compensating because we've done a couple of very long ones this week. If you guys have missed them, we did our Arizona Diamondbacks preview on Tuesday with Dalton Feely of John Boy Media. He is a big Diamondback fan. We talked with him about every single player on the roster, so make sure you guys are checking that one out. And yesterday I was joined by Frank Stanfield and Chris, a.k.a. The Welsh. You guys know both of them from the CBS show. Uh, fantasy baseball today they're also both on well specifically welsh a ton of other different programs dynasty baseball stuff with prospect one and fantasy pros ton of tons of content from both of them and they're both great guys both great friends we had them on yesterday to talk about some adp battles we went through at least one at every position we also talked about a couple of outfielder uh, battles and a couple of starting pitcher battles because there's a deeper pool there so make sure you guys are checking that one out if you haven't done so already Just a quick reminder here at the top of the show as well. I'm going to start doing this a little bit more, so bear with me. Make sure you guys are leaving a rating and review on the show if you haven't done so already. I've seen a lot more ratings and reviews come in. I think there's been 10 or 12 of them in the new year. Really appreciate you guys who have done that. For those of you who haven't, it just takes a couple seconds. If you're somebody who listens to the show with any regularity, if you're somebody who enjoys what you're listening to, I'd really appreciate you guys helping us out with that download, subscribe button at the top of the screen. And then, of course, uh, rating and review would go a long way as well. Now, today we're going to talk solely about the trade that happened today. It was a big one. I think it was a big one anyway. You're talking about somebody who won a Cy Young a couple of years ago versus a couple of players who actually, you know, 2021 was kind of the big year for all the players involved in this trade. And we're going to talk about it, but it was Robbie Ray kind of surprisingly, very surprisingly being sent to the San Francisco Giants in exchange for Mitch Hanniger and Anthony DiScalfani. San Francisco is also sending $6 million to the Mariners, apparently. And I think the Mariners are showing us that they'll take every single free dollar they can. There was some kind of um, part of Robbie Ray's contract that essentially would allow the Ray, or excuse me, allow the Mariners an extra million dollars or something if he was traded in 2024. It took them all of four or five days to actually pull something together. But in terms of the actual players going back and forth, Let's start with Robbie Ray. <clears throat> Robbie Ray is only a couple of years removed from winning a Cy Young Award. I, as a Blue Jays fan, think that maybe it was probably should have been Garrett Cole's year or somebody else's year. I don't know that Robbie Ray necessarily should have won the Cy Young, but in any event, Robbie Ray is a Cy Young winner. He has had several very good seasons in his career since that Cy Young. He threw a full season in 2022. It was 32 starts with a 3.71 ERA. Still a very good season, of course, not quite the 284 ERA he had in his Cy Young year. And then this past season, in his first start of the year, uh, Robbie Ray went down and he had Tommy John surgery. So Robbie Ray is not going to be pitching until at least midway through the season. At least, I'm thinking June or July. Um, Steamer's projections for him are very weird. I don't know that they've actually, I think they need to redo them probably because it says right now that he'll pitch 21 games all in relief, one inning per appearance. It's not going to be like that. He will come back as a starting pitcher, of course. And now 
I don't know what it's actually going to look like for Robbie Ray. He has had a bit of an up-and-down career, like I mentioned, but even just in the last several years, you're looking at ERAs that range from 284 up to 662 that he had in the COVID season. He's also given you ERAs in the past that are close to five. There's been a couple of years where he's been sub four, sub three, but he's a very tricky pitcher to nail down on any given season what kind of production he's going to give you. The strikeout rate has kind of bounced all over as well. Always been good. But it has been as low as 21-22% earlier in his career, up to 32%, and then it went down to 27% uh, in his last full season. That was 2022, of course, with Seattle. I think that from a fantasy point of view, I'm not really going to be terribly interested in Robbie Ray this year. If you're in a drafting a draft and hold type of team, then, yeah, Robbie Ray is going to be somebody that you are going to be taking, that he is probably going to come back in the second half, and he's probably going to be able to you know give you some decent starts down the stretch but I don't think that he's somebody that I'm really terribly interested in drafting in most formats and I'm just looking at draft champions this is over the last month Robbie Ray going at pick 557 at that point I don't really have a problem with it it's kind of just whatever at that point of a draft right you're talking 557 picks into a 15 teamer it's round 38 not a lot of these guys are going to give you a hell of a lot of production and Robbie Ray being Robbie Ray with a high strikeout upside, I think he can look pretty decent uh, pitching in San Francisco as well. Like I, I don't mind it, but I think that you kind of have to, you know, realize that it's probably going to be fairly limited upside that you're going to get as well. I don't know how many starts it's going to be. I don't know what he is going to look like coming back in year one. A lot of players come back in year one from Tommy John and look very good. I tend to like it better when they come back in the off season and they have the whole off season to ramp up as opposed to mid season with Robbie Ray. I'm not 100% sure. And I don't think anybody is uh, what he's actually going to look like. But you should probably still be able to bank on a really solid strikeout total from Robbie Ray. That's not something that I would expect to go away. Even if it's not up to the same extent of, you know, the 29 to 33 kind of percent range that we've seen in his peak years, you're probably looking at 27, 28% strikeout rate from Robbie Ray, which is still well above average. And I think he's going to be somebody for the vast majority of players. He's going to be somebody that is... Uh, you know, a pickup midseason and not somebody that you are drafting. If you're playing in a 12-team league, you're playing in a 10-team league, I don't see Robbie Ray being somebody that is going to be worth drafting and then holding on your roster for the first three months. I just don't see the upside being that great. I think he can give you really good production over maybe 15 or so starts in the second half. But in terms of actually drafting him and holding him the whole year, you can try, right, if you want to draft him in the last round or pick him up immediately after your draft and then hold on to him as long as you can. There are some teams that go through the year with a charmed existence, with very few injuries. You might be able to get lucky. I wouldn't say that that's probably going to be too likely that most of you are holding Robbie Ray for three months and you just don't have any injuries. Most leagues, you got two, three, four IL slots. This is, you know, Major League Baseball we're talking about. There will be some injuries. So I don't know that Robbie Ray is going to be somebody that makes sense as an early season type of target. But once midseason rolls around, we start to see him maybe getting into some rehab games. He's going to be a midseason pickup, and he's going to be somebody that's probably fairly expensive given the pedigree. But as of now, I don't have a hell of a lot of interest in drafting him outside of those draft and hold formats where you're drafting pretty much everybody. 750 players get drafted in those leagues. It's hard to find somebody not worthy of drafting in a draft and hold. Obviously, like he is in that range, but for those standard people, you know, you're playing in one 12-team Yahoo league that's going to draft 270 players, 285, whatever the number is. I don't think that Robbie Ray should be included in that grouping, but I do think that he can potentially be uh, an impact guy in the second half. So just keep an eye out.
for any updates that we have on his injury recovery. He might end up giving you 15 really good starts down the stretch. Now, the second part of this trade, obviously, is the return, and that's Mitch Hanniger and Anthony DeScalfani. Mitch Hanniger's games played total. Somebody tweeted this out this afternoon once the trade went down. He's playing fewer games than Eloy, fewer games than Jazz Chisholm, fewer games than Trout. It has been a massive struggle for him to stay on the field these last several seasons, the last two seasons, really, particularly. But you can look back at a lot of examples in his career. He's played 157 games twice, and other than those two years, which were both great years for him, the career high is 96 games played. Each of the last two years, 57 and 61. When he's out there, the production has been pretty solid. You know, you're looking at about 120 games over the last two years. You're looking at 17 homers, uh, you know, a 230-ish batting average. It's not terrible. It's not great, though. I don't know that Mitch Haniger is going to be somebody that is this massive problem solver in Seattle. When he was there before, obviously, that's when he had his peak years. 2021, and people kind of forget because he hasn't been on the field much, but 2021, he had 39 homers, 110 runs, 100 RBI, and a 253 batting average. That was the high watermark for him. Can he get back to that number? Potentially. I think it's more so just the fact that he's never healthy. He's literally never healthy. It's the back right now. And it's funny, if you look at the Roto-Wire update, it says Giants trade Mitch Hanniger back and Anthony Discofani elbow to the Mariners for Robbie Ray elbow. So there's like injuries all over the place in this trade. If Hanniger is able to go out there and give you a fully healthy season, then I could be talked into him. But I don't think that that Mariners lineup is so great with him, without him. I just think that they're kind of going to be struggling a little bit this year offensively. If you look at the lineup top down, J.P. Crawford, Julio Rodriguez, Mitch Garver, Cal Raleigh, Ty France, Mitch Hanniger, it's not the greatest. It's it's definitely not a juggernaut offense, and I don't know that Mitch Hanniger, even if he was healthy, would be able to get back to those counting stats that we saw a couple of years ago. 110 runs, 100 RBI. Probably not happening again. If he's able to give you 130-ish games, if he's able to stay healthy, I could see him going like 70 and 70, and that, you know, considering where he's going, would probably be worth it. No one wants the Mitch, into the Mitch Hanniger business this year, and it's hard to really blame them considering the production that we have had from him over the last several seasons. 456 is his ADP. He's not a target of mine in standard size leagues. He'd only be a draft and hold type of guy. If he is able to pick up steam throughout the year, then yeah, he would be a pickup for me. As of right now, I just don't really have a lot of interest in taking him outside of those formats where you're just looking for at-bats later on, right? Potential at-bats and Maybe he's not even a great source of that. I think it's more just the upside potential of, oh, Hanniger, you know, he could get you know, 25, 30 home runs if he's healthy, and I think that's what the appeal is, drafting him at all. But I don't see him being somebody that I'm taking in those shallow standard type of 10-team leagues. 10-, 12-team leagues, I just don't think that he is going to have a lot of value. Anthony DiScofani, the last piece, is an interesting one as well. In 2021, you know, just all these, all three of these guys had best their best years in 2021. DiScofani had 31 starts. 167 innings of a 3.17 ERA. Now, since then, five starts in 2022 filled with injuries. It was a 6.63 ERA. This past season, 19 games, 18 starts. It was a 4.88 ERA with a 4.15 xFIP and a 4.37 Sierra. 18.9% strikeout rate, solid 4.8% walk rate. But overall, Anthony Discofani is not that great. He had a couple of, you know, specifically that 2019 year, and then there was also uh, what other year was it now there was one other good year he had 2019 was a good year and 2016 was also a good year for him but 
few and far between. I think that he's not somebody that I would really want to be investing in as the fifth starter for the Mariners. I think that he might be okay, but I, I just don't really, again, th- these are all kind of draft and hold targets, all these guys. They're not really going to be guys that are going to be making their way onto standard size rosters. Anthony DiScalfani's ADP, 623. Minimum pick of 471, maximum 729. He is really an afterthought in a lot of these drafts. Some people might think that he can get back to what he did a couple of years ago. I just don't really want to put my eggs in that basket. You're not looking at a high strikeout rate, and you're talking about a declining strikeout rate too. Somebody that used to be in the low 20s, now we're talking the last two years, specifically this year because 2022 can't read too much into it. But this season, 100 inning sample size, a sub 20% K rate. That's no bueno for fantasy purposes. I just don't know that there's really a lot of upside in DeScalfani. I don't know that there's really anything to be had there at all, unless he's maybe able to volume his way 27 starts or so to like a four ERA. That would be valuable at his price. I think that's probably like a best case scenario. The projections from Steamer have him going 26 innings, 140, or excuse me, 26 starts, 148 innings, and a 452 ERA. It just doesn't seem like it's something that I really want to be getting involved in. There's also been some injuries over the last couple of years with him, and I just don't really want to be getting involved in the DeScalfani business. All three of these guys in this trade, for me, fall into the midseason pickup category, potentially. Robbie Ray will certainly be a pickup once he is healthy again. These other two guys, it will really depend on their production. I could see Mitch Hanniger being somebody that is able to you know, carry back in 12-team value, is able if he's healthy, right? If he's healthy, I think he can maybe do it. Uh, DeScalfani would need a couple of miracles to happen for him to actually be a 12-team guy. 15-teamers, you know, AL only. He's probably going to be valuable because there's just not a hell of a lot of options there. There might be some starts where DeScalfani can actually, or some weeks where you can actually start DeScalfani pretty comfortably. Let's say that they have a two-step against Oakland and against the Angels or something, or if it's one start against the Nationals, something like that. I could definitely see myself streaming him, but I don't think any three of these guys are going to be on my draft targets list. But that'll do it. That'll do it for us. Like I said, a bit of a shorter show. We are going to be back next week with a couple more team previews. We're going to leave it as a surprise as to when exactly, partly because it's a surprise to me right now. Still trying to figure out dates and a couple of different things. Um, But we'll be back next week, of course. You guys can check out the Palazzo podcast tomorrow. I will be a guest on that show. Britton Allen will be hosting. I'm not sure if Michael Govier is going to be involved. I think it'll just be myself and Britton. That one should be out on YouTube. I'm not sure if we're doing it live, but it'll be taped around 4 o'clock something that you guys can get in the podcast feed later and on YouTube, of course. That's the Palazzo Podcast. You guys have probably heard of it. Michael Govia has been on here before. I've been on there before. Uh, So make sure you guys are checking that one out as well. But I'll leave you there. Hope everybody has a great weekend. And until Monday, take care, everybody. We'll see you then.